I'm Arafat and I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. And joining us today is Asher, a sort of new Formula One fan from Scotland. He's going to be going over this Mexico GP with us. Asher, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. You laugh. Why'd you laugh? <laughs> he's, he's a reluctant fan, but I have kidnapped. I, I was kind you of know, it's, a, it's okay. Half of our guests this season have been reluctant fans that we forced to watch races to come join this podcast with us. So... <laughs> You're in good company. Yeah, Arafat's usually the one that kind of forces me to, to watch these things by sending me the videos and saying, you better watch these. So I That's had to get... That's to me for years, but then I actually got into it, so it worked. He's got one one successful con- conversion over I'm there. I'm working on it. Bit by bit, I'm working on it. But I think in terms of like races to come in on, this was probably not the best one. We're going to get into it, but not a lot happened in Mexico. No, it was a very dull race. Yeah. Are you still sad? Are you broken? I'm not sad anymore. I, I all my my sadness happened in Turkey, where I was just yeah. absolutely. And then since then, I've just I understand that this sport sucks and it's gonna suck, forever. <laughs> yeah. Reaching reaching levels of acceptance finally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't get sad anymore. I just get like disappointed. Excellent. <laughs> Should I do a quick recap of the race and then we can get into it? Yeah. Sure. So really the story of the race on Sunday starts on Saturday in qualifying. The Red Bull cars had been, well, dominating really. They were about half a second a lap faster than the Mercedes. They were expected to walk the thing fastest in Q1, fastest in Q2. But in Q3, they just, they they messed it up. Yuki Tsunoda was on the track and was asked to move out of the way for the fast charging Red Bulls. He pulled off the track, but uh, it distracted Sergio Perez, who decided to also then go off the track. It kicked up a lot of dust in the air. Verstappen came into the dust, thought, what's going on? Why are their cars off the track? And slowed down. And before he realized there was nothing going on, it was too late and his lap time was too slow. And uh, somehow Bottas managed to sneak himself onto pole position. And that then put us into a race where you had the fastest car starting behind the Mercedes, but really the race was over by turn one. Hamilton was going up the inside, Bottas in the middle of the track, and Verstappen just swooped around both of them and ran away with his massive pace advantage. He wins his ninth race of the season. Hamilton only has five wins. It looks like Verstappen's already got one hand on the championship trophy. Asher, what did you think of the race? I find it quite interesting because, well, from my point of view, I've kind of dipped in and dipped out of Formula 1 at various points over the years. I think when I was really young, I remember mentions, it was at Nigel Mansell, so that takes you quite quite a bit. And then when I came back into it a little bit, it was because of you. I think that was at the time of Vettel and um, Hamilton, yeah. kind of like duking yeah, it out. Yeah. I think we were just talking about it just before the podcast. That I was like, oh, Vettel, did he win like once or twice? And you're like, no. He won like, what was it, three or four times? Four, yeah, yeah. four. And then Hamilton went on to like just dominate the scene and has been dominating till I think recently, is it maybe up to this year or last yeah. year? So like this year he's he, he's not struggling, but not winning. So I just assumed going into watching the highlights for this race that, you know, he would uh he would be winning it, uh, or at least doing really well, but I, f- I found it quite interesting, even the way the highlights were kind of shown. It was just sh- like it was making Verstappen look like the kind of the underdog, dog kind of winning over the the kind of established champion type thing, which was a bit weird because I always look at Hamilton as kind of like that, even probably because the last time I watched him was probably years ago. So no, it was it was definitely interesting to see, but and also to see Red Bull are back on form because. Hamilton, and again, this is just because of dipping out and in. I remember Hamilton being with McLaren, and McLaren being the one Red Bull had been pushed back eventually at that point. So, yeah, it's just, it's 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 weird. It feels a bit alien. It, it's cool. I mean, if Hamilton's been winning it for a few years in a row, I suppose to make things interesting, it's good to see someone else kind of come up. Mercedes have No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> We just want to see one thing again and again and again. It's comforting. It's reliable. 
it I, adds I've, structure I, to our chaotic lives. Uh, that's I've not been want. a big sports fan my entire life, but when I got into Formula One, I did it because I could back Lewis Hamilton. He'd win all the time. He'd never break my heart. And now, you know what? This season has just been awful. It's been a total disaster. But uh, my my dad watches the races with me sometimes, and whenever Lewis doesn't win, he's like, "Why? Why isn't he winning? I don't get it. He's supposed to be the best. What is he just slow now?" And I, it's 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 just so tough. So. <laughs> But, you know, we're talking about when Asher used to watch Formula One with Vettel and all of that. I remember when Vettel was dominating and there was a point where he, I think he won 13 races in one season. And there was a bit of me at that point supporting Hamilton that thought, do you know what? I'm so glad that he got lucky on that last lap in Brazil in 2008 and won the championship because I was convinced Hamilton would never, ever win anything again. So to go from that, you know, 2011, he was just fighting for like fifth, sixth place, crashing into Massa all the time. So... I think that was the lowest point in his career, and if we if we can get through twenty eleven, I think I think we'll be fine this year. Yeah, um, but going back to to qualifying, you talked about the whole thing that happened in qualifying. That was a really interesting qualifying session because uh, Red Bull were so fast. Like I remember, I was watching it and I texted you and I said, "These guys are just crazy, crazy fast." Like they were just six and a half tenths up on Mercedes, which is incredible and even Lewis was disheartened so when Mercedes locked out the front row it was such an incredible moment like it was almost like the end of a Disney movie like it was just like so so intensely like nobody saw that coming not a single person saw Valtteri Bottas on pole and Mercedes front row lockout flipped the script so it was a really cool moment but yeah, the question then was, you know, is Mercedes just that much faster or has Red Bull slowed down? Yeah, the I... drivers got out of the car and they said to Mercedes, how did you manage to do that? And they were like, we don't know. We don't yeah, exactly. understand why Red Bull was so slow. <laughs> yeah, Lewis was like, yeah, something happened. It happened in Q3 and I don't know what it was. But I clearly... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for Bottas to get that pole position, I think what was cool is normally you get pole position, people sort of shake your hand and that's it, but... This race, it was the 70th anniversary of Fangio's first win. So, for whatever reason, they decided whoever got pole position was going to be awarded a replica of Fangio's helmet from the 1950s. Because I thought, oh, Verstappen's going to get this because they were just so much faster. But it went to Bottas, who is a Mercedes driver like Fangio was. And he's going to Alfa Romeo, which is where Fangio started his career and won his first world championship. So I thought, oh, that's kind of, that's a nice little thing there. But we were talking about, you know, just the ridiculous pace that Red Bull had this... Because it's been a very, very close season, right? Hamilton and Verstappen have been literally on top of each other at one moment, but more or less on the same piece of track. But I was looking at the speed difference between the different cars. So you look at the car in first place in Q1, which is Bottas, at 116.7. And the slowest car, I'm counting as Mazepin, because Stroll crashed. Um, Mazepin was 119.3. So that's a three-second spread. Now, Asher, you'd mentioned Nigel Mansell, right? Who won the championship in 1992. So his pole position time, or his Q1 time, at the same track back in the day at the Mexico Grand Prix was 116.3. But then the spread was all the way down to, like, 122. You look at the, you know, the man in fourth place was 2.2 seconds slower, which is, like, the entire field now. Wow. And the man in last place was... 8.7 seconds slower wow so actually you know we complain about formula one being oh it's just one team dominates and this and that but actually the domination we see now is nothing like it was in the past the cars are getting closer and closer and closer and i think with the new regulations next year this should be even closer so in those races were people getting lapped like six times by the end of the race like that's crazy because like nikita mazepin got lapped three times and i thought that is bonkers wild but if, they're, if people are getting used to getting lapped like six, seven times, and I don't know. So 1992, I'll go back to the same race yeah. where Mansell uh, won. So he won, and on the lead lap with him was second, third, and fourth place. Fifth place was a lap down. Sixth place was oh a lap God. down. Ninth <laughs> place was four laps down. Oh, my God. <laughs> but actually, this race was like that, too, because... Yeah, uh, the only people to finish the on the field. lead lap were the first five drivers. From yeah. sixth place onwards, they'd all been lapped. Is is that maybe? Do you know how people make 
some people make complaints about Formula One where they, they, they were saying that it's not as exciting as it used to be. Is that maybe an aspect of it? Because it's like it's so... The difference between winning and, and not getting a podium place is so slim now that it, it it's not as exciting. It's like it could just be you taking a corner. Not very you know, well. Like, and... I watched the race from... I think it was 2007, Alonso versus Hamilton in Indianapolis. And like there was just so much overtaking... And they're following each other so closely. And I realized, like, I've not seen that. We haven't seen that in the modern era. And I think it's because the aerodynamics on these cars are so sensitive that you can't get close to another car. If you're going to pass them, you need DRS or you need to have a significant pace advantage. And so that's why they say Formula 1 is boring. Because, like, you'll get all these times when cars get close to each other, but then you don't get any overtaking. And you're just watching these cars drive in circles. Do you know what it is? What it's like? You know cricket? where you watch like 2020 World Cup or whatever, and it's like a six or a four every two minutes. So there's some races where it's like that, where it's just loads of overtakes and things like that. And then there's lots of races, the majority where it's like test cricket. There's lots of bowls where nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then one person makes a shot and you're like, oh, that was All a really sweet reference- shot. I don't know what this means. You're going to have to break this down. Talk about it. So in you football, know in hand egg. American football. No, no, no. You know no, hand egg. I don't football, know hand sorry. In American yes. football. Okay, in, in the UK, we call it hand egg. But yes, in American football, there's some games. It's a dumb name, where... hand egg. It's yeah. not even an egg. It's a ball. <laughs> it's a ball, and you hold it with your hands. I've never heard the term <laughs> hand egg before, so I don't know where our fights come out with this one. <laughs> so, in hand egg, you get a lot of games where people break their bones and eagles fall from the sky and people start shooting AR 15s. Yeah, that's yeah, like course. oh that's like the cricket world cup where in a lot of games nothing happens it's just like turnover 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 just the ball goes backwards and forwards hey that's a real one word person, i know. You know what a turnover is nice yeah <laughs> i used to play nfl street on the playstation 2 ah. but yeah so and then one person will get a really sweet touchdown that's what that's mm. what's happened to formula one that's what happened this past sunday actually with the bills bills and jaguar yeah. game oh horrible horrible game we lost to the Buffalo worst Bills? team in the yeah, Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars, or Bortles, if you know that from uh, The Good Place. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. yeah. What's that guy called? The Monk. Yeah, The Monk. Jason. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, Blake Bortles doesn't play for them anymore, but um, I think it's Nick, uh, Nick Foles plays for them now. But, yeah, we lost to them, and they're the worst team in the league, so just a bad, bad Sunday. So with this race being so monumentally dull and boring... I 100% blame the track because every other race this year, the cars have been able to follow, overtake. This, we had such a huge fuel spread. I think it's to do with the altitude, the characteristics of the track, whatever. Like you look at that 1992 race where like four people are on the lead lap. Well, we're 20 years later and only one more car is on the lead lap. I 100% blame the track. I don't. I don't think it's a good one. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, and and half the half the field uses Mercedes engines. And Mercedes engines don't survive well in uh, Mexico. So I feel like, you know, we were always going to get a boring race. We've had a couple of stinkers this, this season. We've had, mm. and both of them were Red Bull circuits. So I blame Red Bull yeah. for this thing. Yeah. Because the good, the good ones, it was like, what, USA, like Silverstone, Spain. Those are all Mercedes circuits. Mercedes rings, good racing. Red Bull gives us Zandvoort and uh, Mexico. Should we talk about the comments after the race? Oh, we'll, we'll put these to Asher because he's a neutral party, so he yeah. can interpret these as a neutral. So Hamilton got out of the car and Perez had finished in third place. He'd been chasing Hamilton down. Hamilton sort of had to defend a bit, but I think with the way the aerodynamics are, Perez couldn't really get close, but he was very, very close. And this is what Hamilton said. He had geez, their pace. It was just unbelievable today. And there was nothing I could do to battle that. And when you've got Checo on your tail, then you know the car is quick. Now, many people interpreted this as an insult to Sergio Perez saying, if Sergio Perez can be that close to me, you know their car has to be good because even that guy can be near me. And so the next day, Hamilton put out this statement where he said, just want to make sure people don't read what I was saying wrong yesterday. I have a lot of respect for Checo Perez. And I think he's doing a great job in his new team. He's improved so much this season. And I know how hard it is to progress with a new team. It takes time. My comment was simply that following another car in Mexico is the hardest thing due to the low drag we all have. That's why there is very little overtaking. However, he was able to follow so closely 
which highlights just how much more downforce they were able to carry. Big up Checo for keeping it clean. Asher, was he being insulting? Was he being rude? Was he just frustrated and his PR mask fell for a second? What's going on here? I don't know, but um, I think that 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 message he wrote just looks bad. It just looks like he's um, trying to overcompensate for something. It's like it would have probably been better, if he, in my opinion, if he just didn't say anything. Or if he just went, you know, I was not trying to take the mick out of uh, this dude here, Checo, or whatever. That long reply just <laughs> looks so bad. It's like he's bending over backwards to kind of make up for a, a perceived slate. I don't know. I mean, if he was... Yeah, Formula 1 fans are so sensitive nowadays that Lewis or any driver can say something that is somewhat negative of another driver and we all just like lose it you know in, in like other sports people talk trash about each other literally all the time like in mma it's probably the worst like they will literally like go at each other all the time and in formula one lewis says this one thing about checo and then there's so much abuse against him that he has to come out and respond and that's the reason he did it asher is like he can't take a step without people criticizing him so when it gets really bad he has to just like he has to come out with a statement. Yeah, I kind of get it. I feel like that's an issue with the more of an issue with the world today is that people are quite sensitive with uh, with these things, and and you get a lot of people that kind of complain if they see they're kind of like a, a slight to someone else and stuff like that. But I do feel that I don't know. I I can understand why he's done that. Uh, I just think, granted, I'm not him. I don't know his whole PR thing and what type of kind of hate and stuff he gets his way with these things, but I wouldn't, from my point of view, I wouldn't have done that. He's responded to pressure from Twitter, the internet, whatever, saying, oh my God, how could you say that? And he was like, no, no, I didn't say that. I meant this, right? Whether we believe him or not believe him, that's another thing. But do you think that's a good thing that, you know, like Mohammed was saying, forget even other sports, just within Formula One. I can't imagine people like Vettel, people like Verstappen back in the day, you know, Senna, Prost, Schumacher. can't imagine any of these guys ever saying sorry for anything, let alone coming out and publicly saying something like this. Do, you, do we think that's a good characteristic? You know, these people we talk about all the time, oh, they're role models, they're role models. Is apologizing and clarifying yourself a good thing for so-called role models to be doing? Yeah, I think definitely if you if you genuinely feel that you know i messed up i didn't mean this or i I want to just explain this to make sure that you don't get the wrong opinion i think that's fine i think you should do that i think it is good as a role model to kind of um show off these good traits you know especially if it's you know genuine i just think like it is quite a long message there that just kind of just sounds like him almost kind of making excuses i think it was just a bit more succinct or he just said I had no intention of um, slating, uh, who was it, Checo, on this. I just meant that, you know, the cars were fast and you could see that kind of thing and that's why. But again, I'm not Lewis Hamilton. I don't know what his PR is telling him and I don't get Twitter hatred. So I, I can understand why I did that. I just think... I can give you Twitter hatred if you want. I can just send <laughs> no, you abuse online. It's okay. Uh, you can apologize to me publicly. <laughs> I'm. I don't think I'd apologize. I think I'd be the type of person that just didn't. You know who never apologizes for anything they say, and they really should be. Christian Horner. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Christian Horner is an absolute like. I don't know if he's ever gotten media training in his life because the man can't keep his mouth shut. And even this weekend, he made like borderline racist comments. Against the one Japanese driver we have on the field. What he that said, works for his team. Yeah, it's his own employee, exactly. And, okay, yeah, technically, Red Bull has never been very nurturing to their own drivers. Like, they kind of treat them like dirt anyway. But still, to go out in public and say, yeah, we got sunoda it's his fault. Our, neither of our drivers are on the front row. Like, I, he needs to apologize for that and, like, 30 other... He, there's another statement he made, like, I think a week ago, where he said... uh. Oh yeah, Toto Wolf, he likes to sit with the PR guy. I like to sit on the front lines with all the strategists and the analysts making all the decisions. And everyone's like, "You, okay, but Toto Wolf's won the last seven championships, so what are you trying to say? His method is obviously working. So, I don't know, Christian Horner, 
if anyone's apologizing, it should be him. Yeah, he said he says wild things all the time, but I think he's very good at stirring the pot and creating buzz and creating rivalries where there's maybe not necessarily a rivalry. The Sonoda thing was bad because that's one of his own employees, and to put his own employee down, like how does that help your long term strategy? How does that help your team? You know, meanwhile, Mercedes have all their engineers and stuff doing like mindfulness and yoga. And Christian Horner is using people's <laughs> names as an insult against them. What do we think of Yuki Tsunoda? Did he get in the way? What's what's? I I find Yuki Tsunoda a massive enigma. I can't make sense of him. He came into, you know, he was he was a good Formula Three driver, a good Formula Two driver. He's come into Formula One. He's the first ever driver to be born, like after two thousand. He's, I think, the second shortest person ever to sit in a Formula One car. He oh is properly child-sized. <laughs> and he had an amazing first race. I think, what did he, he came eighth or something in the first yeah, race of the, the year. Points, yeah, yeah finished in the points. And then since then has had a very average, if not bad, season. But his own team is being really horrible to him. Asher, I sent you some interviews about Sonoda. What do you make of this guy? So um, I'm a massive fan of Japan. And people from Japan. I do feel that he's very, very Japanese, but also Are you a really weeboo? quirky. Yeah, Are you a... I'm, a, uh, I'm a degenerate. Yes, a degenerate <laughs> weeb. <laughs> Alright, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but yeah, no, I watched the interview and I was like, man, this guy is kind of mental, but in a like, he'd be a, a great guy to have as a friend. It's like that weird, eccentric friend. Uh, somehow has uh, is amazing at driving and is a formula one driver but also is willing to play 10 hours of video games yeah so this Uh, was an interview he did with channel four where they said to him you know they ask him normal question what's the best thing about being in formula one and most people say oh racing in front of my home crowd or driving the car blah 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 and yuki sonoda goes oh i like that all the teams have their own caterer and i can just get food whenever i want (laughs) do you know like like and he was I... given the opportunity to, because the guy was like, "Oh, do you not want to say the car?" Because no, no, food is really important to me. <laughs> like, see someone like that, I, I, I really like that. It's just like he, it just seems genuine and honest. It's like, yeah, I like the food. Yeah, I mean, the food's the best. And he said food was is a really big thing to him. So he's like, the catering was, and I was just like, I like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it feels genuine rather than something a little bit scripted. I think what's bizarre about him is he's had a very up and down season, mostly down. And I think if it was some other driver, you'd just be like, oh, this guy's not great. He'll be in for one or two years and disappear. But with Sonoda, there's always these bizarre comments that he's making. And, you know, they said to him, oh, congratulations, you got signed for next year. And most people are like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really happy the team has put their faith in me and I'm really glad to continue this project. Sonoda was like, yeah, I'm really surprised. I've been driving so bad this year. I thought I was going to have to move back to Japan. I couldn't believe they were signing me for another year. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like, why are you saying these things? Um, so I don't know if he's not had PR training or he is just brutally honest, but th- there's something about him that I'm just massively intrigued by. And I think at the US Grand Prix, a bunch of drivers were asked who would have the best reality TV show if they were being followed around. And the majority said Lewis because he's got lots of interest outside Formula One. But a handful of the drivers all said, oh, Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, that would be a good reality TV show. And now I'm like, why? <laughs> Tell me more. I don't understand. I-, I want to watch this TV show now. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. I kind of like, does that, I kind of like that. Like, it's not, not a bit like, is it Kimi Reikening who's like known yeah. to just be super abrupt and he will just say what's on his mind. Yeah. Like, I like that in a person. Um, as like as long as they're not trying to be nasty, they're just like, look, this is what I think. Kimmy's really unapologetic, and Kimmy's like, I like driving. I hate the press. I hate press conferences. I hate all of this stuff. Whereas Yuki's like, I don't know. I don't know if he even likes driving a car. If he's just like, oh, I'm good at this, <laughs> and my dad's making me do it, but I just want to hang out with my friends. You know, it's weird about because like everybody else idolizes Formula One. Like Formula One is their whole life. They couldn't live without Formula One. But Yuki, like in his in the in the name the championship from the years contest, he got to like 2019 and then he gave up. Like you were alive, you should know what the other who the other champions are. And like he's like, oh yeah, before 2019, what was that Rosberg? Yeah, I don't know. And then he's like, he was out. So I, yeah, he doesn't I, he, care. 
He was just yeah. like, I want to play 10 hours of Apex Legends and that's it. <laughs> but you know what? That makes him kind of a lot more relatable to your average person than a lot of the other Formula 1 drivers. Yeah. And I think that that's a cool thing from maybe a PR point of view. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think my worry is his performance means his career will be short unless he really steps up next year. Well, we likely next year we're going to get Guan Yu Zhao in the Alfa Romeo seat, and he's Chinese, so that that fulfills F one's one Asian guy quota, and so that yeah. means they'll get rid of Yuki Tsunoda. Why? Why do we think Japanese people, Japanese drivers, have struggled so much in Formula One? Because you've got people like Kazuki Nakajima, Kobayashi. Asha remembers Kobayashi. His nickname was Kobayashi because he used to crash, uh, and Takuma <laughs> Sato. These guys have all gone on to other racing categories whether it's IndyCar or the World Endurance Championship and had real success they've become champions so what is it in Formula One that is stopping you know because they've got good Formula junior careers and things so what why are they getting to Formula One and struggling I think no I think it has to do with the training I really feel like Europe does a really good job of gearing drivers towards Formula One like they no no junior driver ever says yeah I've got my eyes set on IndyCar like Whereas in America, they may actually think that. And they'll think, oh, Formula One, yeah, if all the stars align, maybe I can do that. But, like, we have, you know, Pato Ward. He's a really good driver. But his chances of getting to Formula One are almost nothing. Whereas you take, like, I don't even know who's leading the F2 championship right now. But he probably has a solid chance of making it in if a seat opens up, you know. So I, I, that's what I, I think it's just a, a geographic thing. Formula One is still such a European sport. But have you have you heard Nico Rosberg's podcast where he interviews Jensen Button and they were yeah. talking about how one of their big skills is to be able to build a team around them, get the mechanics and everybody, you know, rowing in the same direction. And that person needs to be a leader. You know, the driver becomes a leader, galvanizes the team and inspires people. And they said, if we didn't have that skill, we would have never beat Lewis because I think they were acknowledging they couldn't have beat Lewis on skill alone. They had to develop that team around them. And do you think cultural differences are stopping these drivers from being able to do that? Because they've got great careers in Japan. They work well with Japanese teams. And even the Japanese team of Honda, something didn't click with McLaren. That whole thing was a disaster and they just, you know, divorced. But now it's working with Red Bull. So I don't know, Asher, you know more about Japanese work culture what what is it and how is it different to Europe I think like in general the Japanese culture is very different and how people kind of like hold themselves in society it's like a very kind of I don't want to say strict but um there's kind of rules and people are less likely to be more open um uh kind of I think that might be part of an issue like um I remember there was a guy I used to know in my uh, where I used to work, and he worked for a Japanese kind of semiconductor company, um, as a Scotsman, and like well based in Scotland. And he was saying like the thing about the Japanese people is like the, the way they would do things; it was very structured, planned out. They knew they were doing. Whereas when it came to like um, see things where you had to think outside the box, uh, problem solving stuff, like. The guys who were in Scotland were really good at that because they were, and and when he would go over to Japan, like there was always this kind of weird culture shock because people from the West are just a lot more open. And if if you are coming from that type of general culture, um, to a more kind of Europe centric culture, I can see, uh, if the, even especially if there's a bit of a language barrier, being more open, trying to like communicate with these people on the same level yeah i think definitely the japanese culture doesn't gear you very well to be able to thrive i think in a an environment where you're with a european or a mostly european based uh, group of people I, I we were talking about this last week about how i thought a u.s based formula one team would be good for formula one and actually the more i think about it because we have what one team based in switzerland two teams based in Italy and the rest of them are basically in the UK with like links to Germany or France or whatever and I think it would be really cool for Formula One to have a Japanese team a Chinese team you know and then you, you could bring but out with the so best many of each races, country with so many races in Europe it gets like even Haas is based in the UK because 
logistically, it would be so expensive to fly every weekend from America. So, but I think if 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 they this isn't going to happen anytime soon, but you know, let's say fifty years from now, if Formula One they had the first race of the year in Australia and they gradually moved across the globe, ended up in South America and finished in Brazil or something. You know, I, I don't think you'd have a lot of going backwards and forwards and things like that. Yeah, that would be so ideal. Have you seen the 2022 calendar? It's that like a zigzag. No zigzagging yeah, across the world. It makes no it, yeah. sense. Even this, look at this triple header. We went from USA, Mexico, Brazil, but the triple header is Mexico, Brazil, Qatar. Like, they're going to have to fly to the Middle East at the end of yeah. this week. Like, makes no sense. So It makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> so that's, that's my thing. I think, because Formula One keeps going on about how it's a global championship, right? Yeah. Like like the Olympics or whatever, mm-hmm. and then loads of people say, "Well, why is there no race in Africa?" There mm-hmm. used to be. There used to be South Africa and things. So yeah, I think Formula One would do well to move away from being European centric and that mm-hmm. going forward, because you know other race categories have other gimmicks and things, and you know lots of people are interested in Formula E because the races are mm-hmm. shorter or whatever else. But I think Formula One, if it could highlight the best engineers and things around the world and be a truly global sport, I think that would be good for it. But speaking of best in the world, should we get on to talking about Muhammad's favourite person, Max Verstappen? Muhammad, you're pulling a face. This is an audio format podcast. I've I've left the chat. So for me, like, I've never really heard of him that much. Outside of, like, I'd listened to a couple of your podcasts before this. So I heard you talking about him. I didn't know anything about him, so like I didn't know that he'd came in and gone out and came back or anything. But I just, uh, I don't know, he seemed, again, I've only seen like the highlights uh, of the last race with a minute. He seems, I mean, I like that, you know, uh, underdog coming in and taking on the big guns. I don't know much about him. Doesn't seem like a bad person. Um, so He was bred to be a world champion. His mum was a Formula 3 driver. His dad was a Formula 1 driver. His dad used to race against Kimi Raikkonen back in the day. But yeah, he was like bred to be a Formula 1 driver. I'm going to say allegedly there was a lot of harsh treatment, let's call it, of him as a child if he didn't get good results and win races. His dad used to hit him. He used to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's normal amongst, uh, you know, us Asians. <laughs> it's like, what? He's There's not no Asian. Difference there. <laughs> He's Dutch. I was just going to see her. <laughs> Aye, but like, um, I'd, I used to joke about Arafat. I say Arafat was bred to be uh, a medic. I mean, it's so true. Uh, so I don't know. I can't, I can't say too much about it. <gasps> Am I the Max Verstappen of the medical world? <laughs> I, I genuinely think you are. I couldn't, I don't think, I can't even imagine you as anything besides a doctor. I think so. every brown child was bred to be a doctor. So, like, my parents, right, wouldn't ever say to me out loud that they wanted it. But I think it's because I was so, like, I am never going to be the type of person that wants to help other people. (laughs) And luckily, (laughs) like, I think my mom did mention it at one point. It would be nice if if you went into medicine. I just looked at her. I was like, there's no way. I never had uh, anyone near the right grades for it either. And having a look at some people that have that are doing the job that have done it, like I don't think I made the wrong. I don't regret anything. Um, I would have. I would have the absolute worst bedside manner ever. I think I'd be struck off as a doctor if I ever became one. I would enjoy being a complete horrible arsehole to everyone. <laughs> um, and I'd have zero patience for people that are, you know, objectively just being stupid. Well, I was going to say, like, come to America, you're describing half of my attendings right now. I, f- I mean, I feel like I could do that with any kind of field. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm a coder, so if I go to America, I'm pretty sure I'd be able to double or triple my salary overnight. This, and, this is uh, a weird turn this conversation has taken, but continue on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the differences between the UK and America and the Middle East. Hand uh, egg. It's all come back to hand, hand egg. egg. Uh, well, so Arafat's telling me that if I ever screw up in the UK, I can just run away to, to America. Exactly. I or, think you would be a wonderful hand egg player. <laughs> nice. Yeah, any, Anyone can be a, a hand egg football player in America. I don't know why I'm being a doctor. You know, they make like a million dollars to throw a ball. Yeah. I could do that. I can throw a ball. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could be a big YouTuber or influencer because some no. of them make an absolute killing. 
I don't want to be an influencer. It's too much work. I mean, you're influencing people with this podcast, so you're oh. already an influencer. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This is a good place to put our ad. Yes. So Verstappen, flawless driving. I think the thing that impressed me most about Verstappen was he was already in the lead. He was like 16 seconds down the road or something. Bottas pits for like his 12th pit stop or something to put on soft tires and go out and set the fastest lap. Verstappen realizes what's happening and deliberately makes a mistake going into the stadium section and loses four seconds or something. So Bottas is now right behind him. So he's blocking Bottas, moves out the way, and then suddenly speeds up so that because, because Bottas is a lap down, he's obliged to move out of Verstappen's way. So he destroys Bottas's attempt to set the fastest lap. Now, Bottas then pitted for like the 13th time or something and managed to set the fastest lap. But still, Verstappen had the confidence and the capacity to destroy someone else's race. You know how I said Formula One fans are so sensitive? Yeah. So, like, why were people offended by this is my question. People were yeah, like, oh, I'm impressed. so... Uh, me too. This is maybe one of the only times I've been actually fully impressed with Max Verstappen. And it, this is like champion winning like uh, mindset, right? What he did. Like, this yeah, is what definitely. I expect the future champion to do. If he had done anything less, I would have been like, he doesn't want he doesn't want it enough. But uh, just that kind of 40 chess, you know, like it, it's, it's really amazing. Like, you know, letting Botas pass him so he can get blue flags and then slow him down again. If Mercedes hadn't pit Botas six laps early uh and they put him on like the last lap or something that's it fastest lap attempt is gone so i thought that was really smart for max and um yeah i don't know formula one fans are too sensitive they were offended yeah by i think that. i think it was genius asher what do you think of this sort of behavior i don't i don't know is it just me but that just sounds kind of schumacher-esque yeah <laughs> that kind of you know it, it's not good you. enough to win <laughs> It's not good enough to win. You have to ruin other people as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that what it takes to be a champion? It's, I don't think Hamilton's like that, is he? I mean, no. He I think I think there's two types of champion. There's people like Schumacher, Verstappen, who will. It's not enough to win. They have to dominate. And then there's people like Prost, like Jackie Stewart, like Hamilton, who are like just thinking more about the maths and what do I need to do today to maximize the number of points I'm going to finish with. And yeah, I, I think there's the ruthless ones and the gentle ones. And I think I, I don't think one is superior to the other. It's just two different approaches. But you know, like, okay, I was talking about a few episodes ago. Alonso did something similar. He let Lewis, or Lewis was going to let Alonso pass him so he can get DRS. And then Alonso saw it. So he didn't overtake Lewis until they were out of the DRS zone. So like that 40 and then Lewis in 2016, slowing down the entire field to give Sebastian a chance to overtake Nico Rosberg for the championship like champions this is how champions think so for me that was like the first time i saw max thinking yeah. like a champion in the whole season i've been saying he's not thinking like a champion i don't know yeah i this, think he this, is now yeah i think he definitely is and like you said he has one hand on the championship he had one hand on it before and he sort of threw it away so this is like his second chance and he's yeah. like i'm not going to i'm not going to make the same mistakes but as well how old is he He's like, like 21, 23. Yeah, and he's been he's in Formula 1 since 2015, since he yeah. was 17 years old. So he's clearly very, very good. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I think Verstappen is going to be champion this year. But if he isn't, I can't see him leaving Formula 1 without one or two championships under his belt. Absolutely. Maybe more. So you want to just talk about the rest of the, the season? I mean, the race. Yeah. That, that was pretty much it. Nothing happened in the race. Then <laughs> We talked about the most important parts. <laughs> Um, it was so boring. I um, wanted to take a nap in the middle, but I kept like trying to put evil eye on Max Verstappen's tire. You know what happened in Azerbaijan? That was me. I kept staring at him and willing him to crash, and then he crashed. But then it rebounded onto Lewis and kind of. But so I was trying to do that again in Mexico, and it, it didn't work out. But um, why can you never use your powers for good? <laughs> what's the What's the point of powers if you use it for good? So. <laughs> <laughs> rest of the season we're going to get Asher to predict what's going to happen in each race because he's our, he's our guest and, and we have to Let's be go. kind to our guests okay um, we go to so Interlagos four races next. left Asher yeah we're going to Brazil remember okay. when Jensen Button got like kidnapped or shot in Brazil wait yeah. what <laughs> yeah and then, and then wasn't I, there another, and then Lewis's bus was also attacked by gunmen one year I think too yeah, right I, I think someone <laughs> Button shooting I think someone shot it uh no, button his... shooting. I, I googled button shooting and that 
that didn't help anything. <laughs> it's like really not safe. <laughs> I think they kidnapped Gen- someone. Yeah, here we or- go. So, 7th of November 2010, Jensen Button unhurt after armed men threatened him, someone with a handgun, and another one with something that looked like a machine gun. And then, yeah, I think a policeman saved him, put him into a car, and, and, and drove him away very fast. Oh, yeah, using avoidance techniques, rapidly forced his way through the traffic, taking Jensen and the other occupants of the car immediately away from any danger. So, Asher, prediction for this Brazilian Grand Prix. What do you think is going to happen? I think Verstappen will win it. <laughs> We're not ever having Asher back on this podcast, our <laughs> But do you think there will be gunmen involved in Verstappen winning? Yes. There'll be lots of lots, <laughs> lots of guns involved. Hopefully um, lots of action. Maybe there'll be people firing guns at the, the Formula 1 cars during the race. Make it a bit exciting, a bit more exactly. exciting. Where do you think Hamilton will be in, in Brazil? Yeah, I think it will be second. I think... Like so, having very um, little kind of touch points on the current championship. Uh, just watching the highlights uh, before and listening to your podcasts, yeah. my random kind of gut is saying that it will be kind of like Hamilton kind of trailing Verstappen for, or just fighting with Verstappen for a lot of the last few races. Is it possible for Hamilton to win? Mathematically, yeah. There's so, 19 points between them. And there's still just over 100 points available. So I'd say it's going to be a mega... My prediction is going to be mega tight between mm. them. I th- I think Hamilton... Right, so that's Brazil. It. After Brazil, we got the Qatar. What do you think will happen there? Any more gunmen? Gunmen? Gunmen. I mean, it's Qatar, yeah. Lots of AK-45s running about, man. So um, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be some of them about the place. Um, yeah, I think Hamilton will win that one. Just um, yeah, I think it's going to be. You're a invited back the next two. week, Asher. <laughs> yeah. And then so from Qatar we go to Saudi Arabia for the first ever Saudi Grand Prix. So I think uh, Hamilton's gotten used to the kind of hot weather. Mm. Um, he's adjusted. He did well in uh, Qatar. So for Saudi, he's like, yeah, I'm in this one. So I think he won that one too. And then Abu Dhabi finally. Right. So again some warm weather but I think uh, it'll be a tight one do you know what would blow uh, my mind if by the end of Saudi somehow you know Hamilton if he I don't know how but if he manages to win the next two races and Verstappen gets a third or fourth place they could leave Saudi with basically like one or two points between them and go to Abu Dhabi and everything could just come down to one race and the last 21 races have basically just been pointless <laughs> they could have just done one race and <laughs> decided the championship that's actually I mean, very it's exciting true. but like it's all about the journey isn't it it's not just about the end oh that's so poetic so philosophical I, I love that let's what put it guy. on a t-shirt slow pit stop <laughs> it's about the journey not the end <laughs> that's uh, the title of this episode uh nah we're not at the end no but that, that's a good title um I was going to say, going into Brazil, it's going to be a unique situation because we're supposed to now see the full might of Mercedes and the full might of Red Bull because we're not at a Red Bull track necessarily. And Mercedes, who's supposed to have closed the gap, no engine penalties, hopefully, no random stuff going on. We're going to see Mercedes, you know, fully at their peak, and then Red Bull will see them normally. That's the hope. So I think it will be tight, like Asher said. I'm hoping Lewis ekes out, but the Middle Eastern races, I do think those are more Lewis territory. I think he needs to absolutely maximize every last mm. race, and I definitely think he has a chance for this championship. A lot of people yeah. wrote, wrote him off after this race. They're like, oh, yeah, it's over. But everyone knew Red Bull was going to win Mexico. That's why it was a yeah. big deal when Mercedes locked think, up the front row. I think row. Brazil will be Red Bull as well. It is known as a bit of a Red Bull track, but I wouldn't count out Lewis. Just like we saw that you know in Mexico, it was closer than I think people thought. Even though Mercedes, uh, Red Bull is still so far ahead, but I, yeah, I wouldn't count out Lewis in Brazil. There was also that race where Verstappen should have won, but got taken out by Ocon, who was like in last place or something. <laughs> he shoved Ocon in the garage, and he yeah. had to do community service to make up for it. I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mazepin does Mazepin things and gets nothing. But well, he's doing community service, but he's doing like is PR. Like yeah, PR that's PR. He's service. doing it like voluntarily. Nobody told him to do it. So speaking of Mazepin, just before we wrap up today, 
Why was he like a solid minute off of P17? Why is he getting lapped by Latifi? So let's try and explain Mazepin to Asher. Asher, do you know anything about this Nikita Mazepin? No. Nikita Mazepin is a average to good Formula 2 driver from last year. He has arrived in the worst team in Formula 1 with the slowest car. His dad is good friends with Vladimir Putin. Russia is now banned from displaying its flags in Formula 1 because of like doping and whatever. So Mazepin is racing as like an independent or something. But for whatever reason, the car this year has conveniently decided to paint itself like a Russian flag. Let me try and show It's an American you car, mind you. But yeah, it's an American It looks company. like a Russian flag. <laughs> and they asked the team about this. And they were like, no, no, it's just, uh, you know, our racing colors, blah, blah, blah. They're like, this is just, this is just random colors. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. And they're like, it's literally a giant Russian flag on wheels. Can you see that? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also Mazepin got in a lot of trouble. There's a huge movement called We Say No to Mazepin because he groped a woman in like a taxi and he took a video of it and wait, wait, wait. laughed he, about it. He, wait, he not only groped this woman, he videoed it and laughed while in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, and that's then, someone uh, who should apologize, not lose Hamilton. <laughs> I feel like that's definitely a, I should make a long apology like Lewis Hamilton did type <laughs> apology rather, you know, for that thing rather than for what Lewis Hamilton So did. he's had like no real repercussions of this beyond being hated. Um, <laughs> in terms of his pace, he's slower than his teammate Mick Schumacher, Schumacher Jr. And, you know, Mick Schumacher Jr. is fine, but he's not his dad. So you shouldn't be half a second slower than him, but he is. He, and where did he finish this race? Like five minutes behind everybody else or something? And yeah, like, off, a, like a solid minute and a half behind P17, which is just cr- I can't even imagine. Like, am I in the car? Was I the one actually racing that race? Like, and it's a, what, what I love is the championship is about the 20 best drivers in the world, right? So you get ranked first to 20th. Because they had a guest step in for one race because someone else was off sick, Mazepin is somehow ranked 21st in a 20-man championship. Oh, wow. But he will never, ever be fired from Formula One because his dad pays the entire team salary, basically. His dad is one of the richest men in Russia. So that's who Mazepin is. But, oh yeah, he's now doing loads of PR for charities with disabled children because nobody likes him, so he's trying to get some, some good PR. No, it's been no. working. I showed Arafat like screenshots from Reddit where people were like, "Oh yeah, he's actually not that bad of a driver. He's actually not that bad of a guy." And I just don't get it. like he's so slow. He's getting lapped by Nicholas Latifi in a Williams, and I just don't I don't understand any of it. Wait, who was that guy? Was it a Maldonado or something? Like Maldonado, that? yes. Pastor Maldonado. Um, did he not like have lots of backing from? Venezuela. Yeah, and that's kind of how he got in. Yeah, they all have backing from whoever. So, like, Perez is backed by Carlos Slim from Mexico. This is one good thing about the meat grinder. The Red Bull meat grinder is they give money to people who have talent. So I think there's, what, seven or eight people on the grid now who came through mm-hmm. the Red Bull program. So Red Bull dump their drivers really quick. But at least they bring people through on talent. The thing about Maldonado is he did win a race in a Williams. He did have talent. He was just wildly erratic as well. Whereas with Mazepin, we are yet to see the talent shine. And and to play devil's advocate, people will say, well, he has a very, very, very bad car. He is not getting the opportunity to show what he can do. Like the last race, his car was literally just crumbling around him. The headrest came off like three times and tried to decapitate him. <laughs> The floor was like broken and he burnt both his feet or something. So he is having issues in that car. I, I will give him that much, but I don't know. It just um, sounds like an interesting character. He's the anti-Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda I want to know more about. I, I, I can't get my head around Yuki Tsunoda. Do you know what my, my first thought is when he was talking about, was it Apex Legends and playing games? I was like, did he like... He's the real hand egg right there in Nikita Mazepin. Yep. I thought the showing us a picture of him. <laughs> wow. Asher, first reaction. 
Do you swipe doesn't. left or right? I don't know. <laughs> He's got, you know, a nice face, but like from everything you've told me, I'd, I'd swipe left, man. Avoid. Um, no, to know that, I was like, did he like, was he just like good at Formula One race games? Yeah, I don't know what's. <laughs> like, I felt like, because he talks about games, like, is this how you got in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Verstappen. Verstappen plays loads. Verstappen goes home and carries on playing the Formula One game. Because he Norris, doesn't Russell. know how to do anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're they're all big like online gamers now. I didn't know that Verstappen I mean, I g- goes home and plays though. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I do. I do get that. Like you know, the, the whole world. Like a lot more people play games, and that's normal. I just feel like Sonoda, just because he he doesn't seem like your your average Formula One race driver. He seems like a guy that would. Uh, I was like, maybe he's just came in for some really weird channel. <laughs> um, like, he's found a really weird vector into Formula well, he's One. Good. And he's just like, like I've got his what results am I doing here? here? F4, he won the championship. That was F4 oh. Japan. F3, he finished ninth, but won a couple of races. Formula 2, he finished third in the championship. And that year, he won one, two, three races. Um, so, you know, he's... He's got the, talent. The Formula 2 year that he won was actually really... Like, finishing third doesn't say the whole story. That was a really competitive year. That was like the Mick Schumacher, Callum Eilat, all of that yeah. whole th- stuff was going on. So, yes. I think Mazepin was there too. But uh, for him to... Yuki Tsunoda to finish third is actually pretty, pretty impressive in my opinion. Crazy. All right, so how shall we wrap up today? All right, guys. So, we have a triple header now. Yeah, we've got a triple header. We are off to Brazil and then off to... Qatar. Um, Qatar. Muhammad is over the season working through the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. I think he's somewhere around acceptance now. Mm-hmm. But actually, the more he moves towards acceptance, the more I think he's regressing to denial. Um, <laughs> can you share any words of wisdom to end the podcast today to help support Muhammad through these next two races? Um, I mean, is it? I could just say that you know Formula E is better, so you should just follow that. I'm going to go to extreme E. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. All the way, boys. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Bye. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.